Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. You are listening to the 30-something movie podcast, and this time around we are gonna be talking about the... um, We'll just call it a movie. I can't believe we got to talk about this stupid (laughs) movie. (laughs) Right out of the gate, you already know. You already know how at least Pat feels about this movie. Uh, We're gonna be talking about Blue Velvet, the David Lynch film Blue Velvet. Um, So we will be getting to that here in just a moment. But very, very quickly, we do spoil the events of the movies we talk about. So if you have not seen them yet, um, you may want to go watch the movie first. Or in this case, if you're Pat, you might want to just skip the movie and. Listen to us bash it on the mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie first, then come on back. Um, definitely don't watch this one with kids. <laughs> definitely uh, not a kids movie. Let's, let's specify that. Spouses, mm-hmm. no. Parents, yeah, probably, no. Don't. don't. Well, your advice would be just don't watch it. Don't watch it. Okay. Wear, wear a ski mask when you check it out at the <laughs> library. Don't be known. Yeah. Steal someone else's card so you can check it out in the library. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you can, please uh, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. That lets us know how we're doing, and it would help us to move up in the rankings in the iTunes stores. Um, I don't know where we're at currently because we have no reviews, but if you would like to go review us. No, that's not true. We do have one review on the, um, yeah. I guess, one of the European iTunes stores. But um, we would love to have, we'd love to have an American review. Let's, no, I'm not going to go with that. No, um, we're not going with that, my <laughs> man. We are not going with that. I'm already in a bad enough mood about let's this. Let's do uh, <laughs> hmm. If you give us a review, we're stronger together. <laughs> Can we do that? Let's do that that's one. That's right. Okay, that's, that works. Um, Just say, I'm with them. <laughs> iTunes reviews matters. <laughs> Hashtag iTunes review, reviews matter. All right. Uh, so this time around, like we said, we are being able to be talk. I can't even talk today. <laughs> it's, just... God, it's been a long day. It's been a long month. Um, we are talking Blue Velvet, and I am here with Patrick Kanagawa. Hey, hey. You're welcome. Um, should we just dive right into this thing? We should. Let's, let's go. Um, so this movie is called Blue Velvet. I had not, I, to be frank, I had never, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm John. Yeah. But I'm going to be frank for right now. Not Frank Booth. That's right. Because that That's, guy's weird. That, that is weird. Um, <clears throat> but uh, to be not that frank, um, I had not seen this movie before. I hadn't even barely heard of this movie before. And then come to find out it's considered one of the greatest American mystery movies ever made. And I don't know who the devil decided mm, that, man. So. That, yeah, but anyway, this... this I you you got a squeaky chair? I just realized That's all right. I'm already annoyed about this movie. I'm That's all right. switch my chair. If, if you want the super comfy chair, there's, it's right over there. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You okay. You good? good? Yeah, I'm no? good. I'm not right. making noise now. No, okay, you're good. fine. You're fine. Um, so this one came out September 19th, 1986. Uh, rated R for some various obvious reasons. Um, which, I, I don't know, language, sexual content, nudity, violence. I was going to say, violence, why did it not have an NC-17? You know, like, not to be like, not that it would matter, well, but I'm... No, actually, it, they edited some of the scenes down so it would get the R rating. Okay. It, otherwise, it would have hit... Beca- well, it would have hit. Um, <laughs> it would have hit the NC-17 rating yes. because of some scenes where a woman is being hit. And they actually edited those scenes down to where you don't... In some ways, you don't actually see her get hit. Right as she's about to get struck, it cuts to... There's a scene where he's hiding in the closet. Yeah. It cuts to him, like, reacting in the yeah. closet to seeing her get hit. That's what kept it from see, getting... And that's... It's amazing that it's it's something like that. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just more of a... What, what's the, the... A holistic approach to it, mm-hmm. but it's just like... That's it. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's that's the, the tipping point. Okay, right. that one little... Yeah, that's... Right. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating. You know, it's like, what was it? The ten words that you can't say... 
you mm-hmm. know, the Howard Stern movie, there were the 10 words that you can't say on the radio. Right. You can talk about whatever you want, mm-hmm. but you can't you say, those can't say those 10 yeah. words. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Um, so, director for this one is David Lynch. He did Eraserhead, Dune, Mulholland Drive, and the TV show Twin Peaks, uh, which apparently they heard I heard they just did a remake of um, earlier this year, I guess. I have not seen it. I didn't watch too much of the original Twin Peaks. Either, I don't so. know very much about it. Before. Okay. Uh, producer was Fred Caruso. He produced The Bonfire of the Vanities and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. That was a... I was about to say that was a good one. It, that's not a good movie. It was fun as a kid. Yeah. But it's not yeah. a great movie. Great video game. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it in a couple years or so. Yeah. Uh, writer for this one was also David Lynch, the director. He also did Eraserhead, Dune, Twin Peaks, and Mulholland Drive. The music was done by Angelo Badalamenti. Did I get that right? Badalamenti? I think okay. so. Hmm. Hey, first try. There we go. Gold medal for me. Um, he also did the music for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Beach, and Mulholland Drive. The budget for this movie was $6 million. The box office was $8.6 million. So it did not make a ton of money at all. Shock. Um, <laughs> you just... <laughs> I, all day. Yeah, all day leading up to recording this, like yes. you would pop into my office you know, maybe a couple times a day, and you're like, Dude! <laughs> why? <laughs> I've given a name to my pain, John, and it is Blue Velvet. And it is Blue Velvet. Um I'll have to ask you later how how this ranks with uh, like Blue Velvet and River's Edge and uh, yeah. what was what was the other one? What was the other? Well, you, oh, you didn't like uh, was it Repo Man? Was Repo Man was good. Repo I just didn't quite. Well, and see, get... the funny thing is, we were like, oh, I don't know about Repo Man. And now that we've watched some of these others, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh man, Repo that. Man is awesome. Repo Man was just a fun little quirky movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, why River's I... Edge, I think, was one of the other ones you didn't like. Yeah, I was just. You like, just don't what? like Dennis Hopper. Well, yeah, but Easy Rider's a good movie. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. You know, and Speed's a good movie. Right. I just... You just you just don't like this Well, and, and <laughs> I keep saying Coach, yeah, the one, he's the basketball one. Where yeah, he played Hoosiers. the alcohol. Yeah, Hoosiers yeah. he's good in. Yeah. yeah, what the heck. Okay, know. so it's just this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just this movie. <laughs> it's, where would you... Ooh, here's a good one. Uh, we haven't even finished with our intro yet. Um, where would you rank this one with Howard the Duck? Would you rather watch this or would you rather watch Howard the Duck? Death by acid, death by burning. Um, you know, I don't know. I if you were forced to, if I was forced to, you know, I guess I, I didn't quite react as negatively to Howard the Duck. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, but I didn't react as negatively to it. You as, didn't walk out of the room like Dennis did. Yeah, like Dennis, I remember got really upset about yeah. it. Like I wouldn't want to watch this thing again. Right. Like I'm just like, I, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I I don't know if you've, you've done your duty. You've watched it once. Yeah. And Tower of the Duck just seemed like a stupid movie. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. This I, I just it seems like a stupid movie. That's <laughs> right. all. I I don't know, but I I just wouldn't want to watch this again. Okay. I don't. Know. Yeah. All right. I I think I'm on the same page with you, but again, we'll get there. All right. Cool. Um, Kyle McLaughlin, McLaugh McLaughlin. I get you to say that in a more Scottish way. I think we McLaugh- gotta say that. McLaughlin, the Highlander. I do apologize to our. Scottish listeners, yeah. um, having you know Scottish ancestors myself, I do apologize, but I did my best there. Um, yes. Plays Jeffrey Beaumont. He was in Dune, The Doors, Twin Peaks, the TV show, and Desperate Housewives, the TV show. Isabella Rossellini was Dorothy Valens. She was in Death Becomes Her, Wyatt Earp, and the TV show Alias. Dennis Hopper, who died in 2010, played Frank Booth. He was in Easy Rider, Apocalypse Now, River's Edge, Hoosers, and Speed. Laura Dern played Sandy Williams. Uh, she was in Jurassic Park, October Sky, Everything Must Go, and she will be in Star Wars Episode Eight, coming out in 2017. Uh, Hope Lang died in 2003. She played Mrs. Williams. She was in Death Wish, The New Dick Van Dyke Show, and Clear and Present Danger. Dean Stockwell, who played Ben, uh, was in Dune, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Quantum Leap, the TV show, and the remake of Battlestar Galactica, the TV show. George Dickerson died in 2015. He played Detective John Williams. He was in Death Wish 4 and Death Warrant. Uh, Priscilla Pointer played Mrs. Beaumont. She was in Carrie, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and the TV show Dallas. Frances Bay played Aunt Barbara. She died in 2011. Uh, she played Aunt Barbara. She was in The Karate Kid, Happy Gilmore, Big Top Peewee, and Twins. Jack Harvey played Tom Beaumont. He was in Burning Vengeance and Tune In Tomorrow. Rotten Tomatoes, The Critics... <laughs> this is past anger. <laughs> Wait for it. <clears throat> the Critics gave it a 94%. The audience gave it an 88%. Okay. 
Um, and apparently this led to, I, I, I meant to go watch the video and I just didn't have a chance to watch it before now. Apparently this led to one of the bigger arguments that Siskel and Ebert had on their TV show. Siskel loved this movie. Ebert hated this movie. Okay. So the, And they did not see eye to eye on this thing at all. So uh, Siskel gave it a thumbs up. So these are not Siskel's words, but I did find this in an article. Um, quote, Ebert labeled Blue Velvet one of the sickest movies ever made, while Siskel called it one of the year's ten best from 1986. <laughs> Ebert gave it one star, and in his review he wrote, I am not one of the film's admirers, or perhaps I should say I admire its craftsmanship, but am not one of its defenders. I believe Lynch is a talented director and that in Blue Velvet, he has used his talent in an unworthy way. The movie is powerful, challenging, and made with great skill, yet it made me feel pity for the actors who worked in it and anger at the director for taking liberties with them. What is this measuring stick for skill? Like, I mean, I'm seriously, I, 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 the, the acting seemed mm -hmm. fra the fragmented. Mm -hmm. I mean, and what do I mean by fragmented? I, I don't know. None of them was like not going to be out with like mm -hmm. an Oscar. Like, oh my gosh, they deserve an Oscar for right. that. I mean, there was little or no action to speak of. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that you need action in a movie and, mm -hmm. and all that, but I mean, that there weren't like exciting gunfights or something. I mean, you know, the, the murder scene. I, I and just, I and I think some of that's on purpose. But we'll again, we'll we'll get to that. I see. So minute, they're trying to make it low low budget. Um. Not low budget, but I think he, I think he's trying. He was trying to blend a couple of different genres, okay. and those genres don't always necessarily have a lot of action in them. Yeah, and so, and I just mentioned the action thing, mm -hmm. but I'm just that's what I'm saying. Like, what, where, where's, the, what is the metering, measuring stick of skill? Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought that the. I think like the like the filming of it, the. I, I mean, I don't know. Right. I don't, I don't, I, I don't agree with. I don't necessarily. I mean, I agree that there are there are shots in this movie that are done in an interesting and different way. Okay. Like some of the different shots of, um, I don't know, just some of the ways that it's filmed. Um, some of the, like the parts where it zooms in on the on the the ground and you have the bugs crawling around underneath it, where it's zooming in, zooming out from the mm -hmm. ear, or just kind of the way some of the stuff is shot was. Interesting and different at the time. Okay. Um, and and I think, and I have not seen a lot of David Lynch's movies, but from what I know of him, that he does make his movies and shoot his movies in a very distorted way. So it's, it's kind of a distortion of reality and a distortion of the way things are supposed to look and feel. Um, so it might be that he was doing something different enough that people said, okay, well that's... That's a different take on cinematography and, and movie making. And, okay. Um, and he is he is trying in this movie he is trying to mix a couple of different genres, and so I think the way the acting is is done on purpose because it fits with one of the type of genres that he was trying to he was trying to pay tribute to. Okay. Um, Do you know what genre? That, that does would... it film noir. Film noir. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get a little bit okay, further. Okay. Cool. That. I don't want to. I don't want to throw no, off no, the yeah, thing. But yeah. I, but, but no, I, I agree with you because those are my criticisms of the movie too. Yeah. Um, cinema score. So people leaving the theater after they saw this movie, Cinema Score gave it a B minus. Um, and then there were some awards for this one too. Most of them, and this is what I thought was kind of interesting, most of them are nominations. They're not didn't win the awards, but got nominated for the awards. So, for example, David Lynch got nominated for an Oscar for Best Director. Got nominated for a Golden Globe for um, Best Performance by a Supporting Actor, Best Screenplay by David Lynch. The, uh, Dennis Hopper was the Supporting Actor nomination. And it, did not, it didn't win any of the big film awards. Mm -hmm. um, Independent Spirit Award, it won Best Female Lead for Isabella Rossellini. Um, otherwise, was like the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award. Not anything like the Oscars or the BAFTAs or the you know, Screen Actors Guild stuff, or I mean, none of that. Like, none of these big Golden Globes, that type of stuff. It didn't win any of those awards. Mm. Might have got nominated, but didn't win. So now, to me, that's interesting that people look at this and they say, you know, after the fact, years later, oh, this is one of the best American movies ever made. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't buy it. 
anyway, so this movie, very, very quickly, this movie is a coming-of-age movie, the story of a young man who discovers forces and emotions lying just below the surface uh, among the people in his small, idyllic town um, and gets involved in a... What would you say? Like a criminal conspiracy? I don't know what that was. Murder and I st- drug dealing and... Yeah. And the, and the was the her husband's ear was the thing because mm-hmm. the kid... And now was the husband dead or alive? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think her husband is supposed to be dead. I think he gets... If I'm remembering right, it's been a few days since I watched it and I kind of like was putting some of it out of my mind. Yeah. I... I think her husband gets shot. Yeah. And so I think he's dead. But the boy, a, but the boy is fine. Boy, that screenplay is so bloody good. Well, we don't yeah. know what the heck happened. Oh, we, we just don't get it. We're not on that or, level. Or I just didn't care. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, it mm-hmm. makes us not care. Right. So, but the, so that makes it even better. Right. I just yeah. yeah. From the mind of David Lynch, comes a modern day masterpiece. So startling, so provocative, so mysterious that it will open your eyes to a world you have never seen before. Ringwald was the first choice to play Sandy, not Laura Dern. Uh, but Molly Ringwald's mom read the script and was so offended by it, she never even showed it to her daughter. Dodge the bullet on uh, <laughs> According to David Lynch, the scene at Ben's apartment where everyone is singing in dreams is the most important scene in the entire movie. I think he's just making this stuff up. Probably. He's just making this stuff up to seem all, like, esoteric. It's like the dude that, like, tries to be all artsy by, mm-hmm. like, hanging out in the corner and bat up. Mm-hmm. Um, you can mute me. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. It, it, it wouldn't be much of a podcast if I muted the other person. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even letting you get through the no, thing. No, no I'm sorry. I'm fine. sorry, listening audience. No, no, no. That's fine. That's that's what. If people come here, that's what they come here for. <laughs> yeah, no, is maybe. to listen to you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, this movie does feature some of the kind of trademarks of David Lynch's film, and that is characters that are kind of distorted, that there's a blurred line between good and evil, that you've got characters who should be good people, but they do terrible things, and their their moral compass is, you know, maybe broken <laughs> quite a bit. Um, you have worlds that are very different from each other. You have, like, the suburban world that you see in one part of the movie, and then you have the criminal world in the other part of the movie. Um, and then people receiving uh, injury to the skull or brain is apparently another of his trademarks. Um, another thing that he does is he does take the idea of having a like an idyllic small town setting and showing you the evil that is lurking underneath small town America. Apparently he likes to do that a lot. So... Um, yeah, one of the other things, I, I found this, um, I don't know if this is on Wikipedia or one of the other f- sites that I, I was looking on, um, they said the most in- consistent symbol in the film is insects. Uh, introduced at the end of the first scene when the camera zooms in um, under the lawn when the dad has a stroke and is laying on the ground, it zooms in and you've got all the bugs um, kind of swarming underneath yep, the ground. Yep, yep. Um, and that supposedly is supposed to be the first metaphor or symbol that this movie is going to show you that you have a nice, well-manicured lawn and there's disgusting stuff underneath. So you have this nice, beautiful, idyllic world and we're about to show you the horrible, nasty things that live underneath that world and exist under that world. And 
then you get into the rest of the movie. Um, another symbol would be the ear. And what is interesting about that, and I, I don't know that I, and again, I didn't watch this more than once, but um, I kind of picked up on it, but until I was reading a couple of articles, um, that kind of reminded me that at the beginning of the movie, you have, it's kind of zooming in on the severed ear, and then at the end of the movie, you're zooming out from um, Jeffrey's ear in that one scene towards the end. So it's almost like you have gone into the ear and you've entered the head and you've entered this dreamlike world that they're going to show you all this stuff. And then at the end of the movie, you are now coming back out and you have exited the person's head and you are now, you are leaving the movie in a sense. Mm. So um, David Lynch is a painter. Um, as I was reading some stuff about him, he is a painter uh, who is also a movie director, but um, Apparently he's a very good painter, and so I, I can kind of see like some of the stuff he does visually mm -hmm. is very much like someone who might be you know if you if you if you're working on a, a piece of art and you want it to be visually memorable and jarring and, and shocking, then I can I can see maybe where some of that comes from because mm -hmm. um, there were some scenes in some of the shots that were very colorful and very beautiful. You know, you've got all the the flowers against the picket the white picket fences at the beginning of the movie and. Um, you know, he does he does some stuff with color mm -hmm. in the movie that was interesting, and um, the whole idea of the movie being called Blue Velvet, and he does some different things with shades of blue and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But um, yeah, so so that's that part. Um, so the thing that you were kind of mentioning earlier about the the acting and the the other stuff, what he was trying to mix together in this one, whether he did it well or not, um, was, and it seems like there were a lot of '80s movies that were. I don't, want to say, I don't know if I want to say obsessed, but they were focused on the 50s. Like in the 80s, people were nostalgic for the 50s, okay. which is kind of interesting because it's that was 30 years, and now today I kind of feel like people are nostalgic for the 80s. Yeah. So you have this cycle of nostalgia. Um, but you do have a whole bunch of movies like Back to the Future, mm -hmm. went back to the 50s. Um, you know, you had, uh, what were some other at the time? Um, I guess that was, was that 70s or 80s, Greece. Pretty the late, seven, late like, 70s, but still, I mean, you're going back to the 50s. Yeah. And so in the 80s, you know, there was a, a, a preoccupation, I guess, with the 50s mm -hmm. and what life was like back then. And, well, and that was a big thing in, in Ronald Reagan's America was yeah. getting back to American well, family values. It, and it, So in this movie, I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to take that idea of Lumberton, the town, is this nice, quiet, little suburban town, whatever it is, trying to take that but then trying to take the idea of a film noir, like a crime drama, a mystery, and mash those two things up to, against each other. Yeah. Because at different times I thought, before I made that connection in my head, there were scenes where I, like, I would see a police car pull up, and I was like, that looks like a 50s police. When is this movie taking place? Mm -hmm. And I kept kind of asking myself, I'm like, is this, I thought this was the 80s. Yeah. Because the way some of the people are dressing, I'm like, well, that looks like 80s clothes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I see 50s police and, and EMT vehicles, and then all of a sudden we're back to when he picks up Sandy from school, she looks like she jumped just jumped out of Greece. Yeah. And she looks like Sandra D from Greece. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, okay, wait a minute. They're wearing, like, all the girls are wearing 50s-style clothing, and yeah, this, I don't get it. I, yeah. I don't know what time period this is supposed to be. And then you have a scene later in the movie where you've got a mixture of, you know, some of the old police cars pull up, but then there's modern, yeah. well, 80s modern, yeah. Police cars pull up alongside them. So, um, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's that's done on purpose to yeah. try to mix these two worlds together. How do you feel about that? Do you care? <laughs> hey, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. I, you know, I kind of got the same vibe in Tim Burton's Batman. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, okay, there's dudes wearing fedoras. There's dudes, you know, right. And and that hit me as a kid. You know, now mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, the. Um, the uh, uh, elite that love this movie would mm -hmm. probably just call me a simpleton for quoting, you know, talking about Batman. Um, As you do. But, uh, but um, th that, I, yeah, I think that's cool. Mix it up. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I don't mind that when you mix up genres like that because, that, and, and I think Batman, the animated series, the cartoon, yeah. was the same way. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're comparing all this to Batman, but it was the same thing. The cartoon yeah. was a very, it's almost like a very 1940s yeah. style to the clothing to the, and I think it was because of the Batman movie right where you've got an older style of clothing but it takes place in contemporary times 1989 right whatever where he's got all the gadgets and the well and, and let's let's I mean Pulp Fiction does it mm -hmm. 
I mean, Pulp Fiction always seems to have stuff that's a little bit out of place and out of time. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's set, or actually, let's just say, all of Quentin Tarantino's movies. I mean, you know, and okay, and again, I don't know if I'm a simpleton or not, but look at his movies before he started doing the period stuff, but look at the movies that were supposedly set in the present day of when the films came out. Look at Pulp Fiction. Look at Reservoir Dogs. Look at Jackie Brown. Look at, he's always pulling music from mm-hmm. a different time period, a different thing. He's pulling imagery from that. He's pulling styles of dress yeah. from a different thing, and it, he blends it all so well together. So I don't mind different styles of dress and mm-hmm. period things, and I, I, I don't mind that at all. So what if, I'm going to pose a question to you, and we'll, we'll see where this goes. Okay. What if, and I don't know that I know well enough about my film history, you know, I have not gone to school for film criticism and film history, but right. what if David Lynch is the person that started that? Does that change how you feel about him? The guy that directed this, David Lynch, what if he's the one that started that trend of saying, hey, let's take two time periods, two genres, and let's mix them together like that? So what if Quentin Tarantino, Tim Burton, all these guys... If they studied? What if they studied that and they used him as their inspiration? Well... Does that change anything about this movie or how it's made for you? I... It would, and I would again, and this is one of the comments I said, someone's going to need to give me the companion book to this movie so I can read and have it explained. Yeah. I compared it to King's Quest video games, mm-hmm. right? Anybody out there played King's Quest games? You sit there, you mess around for two weeks and trying to figure out what the game is, then you buy the companion novel that right. just takes you step by step on how to do this, game. Not this yeah. I need the com- I need the strategy guide mm-hmm. for this movie so I, I can know what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Like, am I, am I supposed to be impressed? Okay, I, I know I'm supposed to be impressed. I just don't know what I'm impressed about yeah. you know I need them to tell me like why this movie is mm-hmm. I they, I need them to tell me why I'm wrong so I would be willing to yeah sure if if that's who influenced them then yeah okay that's cool but again I don't think that necessarily makes this a better product mm-hmm. I mean you, you could you could go back the other way and say well you know maybe it's like a musical composer you know they they'll, they'll try they'll call pieces of music that maybe aren't you know the, these classical composers invention number one mm-hmm. and you listen to it and it's like okay you're still working out your ideas mm-hmm. but okay but it influenced all these other guys and and all that that's impressive but again that invention number one is not going to be as impressed impressive as the the final symphony that comes out now maybe like. Music nuts and, and, and musicologists will study that and look at every little angle and how that influenced um, how that influenced later pieces of music. But the, the general population is going to be like, well, okay, that doesn't make any sense to us. Mm-hmm. We're going to listen to the finished product. I feel the same. I'd feel the same way about this movie. That's great if this influenced the whole genre of movies. That's great if it's genius. <clears throat> Someone's just got to be able to tell me how. And that's the thing that I get into, and that's why I keep saying, well, I'd like some of these guys to prove it. That's great to say, well, this is a masterpiece of this, that, and the other thing, but then you should be able to categorize it as to why. Well, this is what you're watching, Pat. Mm -hmm. This is why. And all I'm hearing is, this is just the greatest thing ever. And it's, I'm going to go with another reference. I'm going to say The Emperor's New Clothes. I'm like, okay, I'm not seeing anything there. So Mm -hmm. you just, you know, just a quirky little movie. So you you fill in the gaps for me and, you know. Yeah, this one was... Did that make sense? Or yeah, no, no. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so a, a funny thing about this one to me is that at the time, it it did not... Well, I guess it was very mixed at the time. But I, box office, it didn't do very well. You know, it, it only made a couple million more than what it cost to make it. Um, you had critics that were pretty split on this. There was even one story that I read, who knows if it's true, but um, somebody, well, I don't know if it was one of the critics that wrote it or what, but they said, uh, one of the stories said that there was a, it was in Chicago, actually somebody seeing it in Chicago. The man was in the theater watching this movie, had a heart attack, got rushed to the emergency room, and within 45 minutes to an hour, he was fine. He rushed out of the hospital to come back in time because he wanted to finish watching this movie. Mm. So apparently, some people thought this movie was so good mm-hmm. that they would rush back from having a heart attack to try to finish this movie. Yeah. And, and I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, again, this was, for you and me both, this is our first time seeing this movie. We didn't watch it when it came out. There's no way I would watch this as a six-year-old yeah. kid. Yeah. 
Um, you know, didn't watch it before this week. And there are times where I'm all for a director trying something new and trying something different. Like, I think of, you ever see the movie Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. That was another one. Like, I left the theater, and I kind of, this one was similar to that one for me, because I remember leaving the theater, seeing that movie, and I was like, this is the first movie that I can think of where I, I'm leaving the theater, and I don't know if I like this movie. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I don't like it, but I also don't know if I like it. Yeah. And that was the first time I remember having that reaction to a movie. It was like, it, was it good? Was it bad? Well, and I don't know. <clears throat> so I actually ended up, I didn't watch it again in the theater, but I rented it as soon as it came out. I'm like, I, I need to watch this movie again because I just, yeah. I've never had this reaction to a movie where I don't know if I like it or not. And I think I watched it two more times after I rented it. I still can't tell you if I thought yeah. that was a good movie. Well, and the But it was so different. Like it, it just, some of the, the visuals, the visuals were amazing in that movie. And I thought it was an interesting story. Um, obviously the subject matter is, that's not my go-to for you know mm-hmm. topics in movies, and this one not either. Um, I guess maybe I'm also not a huge fan of film noir movies. I can take them or leave them. Yeah. Um, I, I need. So to maybe see. that's why I don't have. Maybe that's why I have a strong reaction against this one. Is yeah. eh, it's just not my thing. Give me four movies to watch, and, to, to, and then this one will make sense. Say hey, see right. A B C D, and now suddenly it'll make sense. Right. I'm, I'm not getting it. I, you know, and you could say, well, it's it's it's. You, John, it, somebody, a person mm-hmm. could say, well, it's revolutionizing this or it's introducing this concept or it's doing whatever. And I still get back to the scenes seem to be plotting along. Mm-hmm. For the first half hour of the movie, I was kind of like, what, you know, what's, what, what's the deal? Like, yeah. what, what are we doing here? I don't understand. What it, I was confused as to what are they sneaking into? What are they trying to s- sneak away from? What is he trying to get to? I still don't know how we got like, to Why does he need to be involved in this? Yeah. He, he found an ear. Yeah. Why does he feel this drive to need to know? I'm, I'm lost. And maybe i got to rewatch it. Why did we get, how did we get from the ear to he's breaking into this person's apartment? Mm-hmm. I'm confused by that. Who are the guys in the, in the hardware store? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what value did that have in the movie other right. than the, to muddy up the plot? So to me, there were things in there that were just like, I, this is just not good. Yeah. I mean, I didn't find the characters compelling. No. I didn't find. I didn't find the plot like find, an edge of the seat. Thriller. Well, you didn't find any of the characters that you could really connect with. No, and like I didn't. I didn't feel. For Jeffrey, the main character, they they could have killed him, at when they got to Ben's apartment and everybody's singing and everybody's like they're threatening him yeah. and they're going to beat him up and whatever. He could have died, and I don't think I would have cared. Yeah, um, he's, he's creepy. Yeah, you know, and it's okay to say, well, this is just showing you a slice of society, mm-hmm. or like we spoke what, spoke about, you know, the river runs around it, or mm-hmm. whatever the heck that movie was, and <laughs> River's it, Edge, yeah, and that was the one that it was. Um, oh well, this is you know, this is this just shows this just shows how mm-hmm. teenagers would respond in a small yeah. town to a murder. It's it's make it's uh, fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, you can make it whatever you want. I mean, these guys could have all like busted out lightsabers and had like a Star Wars level galactic battle, and you could say, "Well, this is what would happen if there were really laser guns." I mean, mm-hmm. g- when it gets into that, you're, you're still you're dealing with fiction, so you can make it be whatever you want. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't okay. So you're saying that the suburbs and just beneath the surface of the the suburbs creeps, you know, mm-hmm. bugs and monsters and all that kind of stuff. Is well, that true? Is there a seedy underbelly to every, to well, every every small every small yeah. town that you see that's beautiful and innocent? Is there a seedy underbelly of crime lying just beneath the surface? Maybe yes, maybe no. But I mean, do you care? Yeah, not really. Not if it's not my town. Right. I mean, you know, and that's where it's kind of just like, well, what are you really revealing here? There's no, there's no reveal. That's maybe that's he's what trying is. to tell you that this could be your town, and you're just you're you're just not paying attention. Right, but then make that this, don't don't leave me guessing. Mm-hmm. If if you're really trying to send a warning shot, mm-hmm. then send a warning shot. Don't mm-hmm. make me go and say, "Dude, I don't even know what you're talking about." Like, I just don't care. You know? I mean, that's kind of where I get to with this movie. So, yeah, it could have influenced a whole bunch of people. Yeah. But it also kind of strikes me as, you know, what was the uh what was that that movie that that stupid movie about Facebook? 
the social network, social network where they're like, hey, we got this idea. And he basically mm-hmm. like took their idea and then ran with it, mm-hmm. which he said he didn't take their idea and ran right. with it. You know, but that's kind of it. Like, okay, well, it's a great idea. Whatever those ideas are, we're going to take it and run with it. Yeah. That's if we think that this inspired a whole generation of movies. Yeah. But otherwise, I just found it very vulgar. It's got to be vulgarity with a humorous context, mm-hmm. like The Big Lebowski. It's got to be <clears throat> vulgarity wrapped around incredibly witty dialogue. Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. It's got to be staged somehow that, you know, like a compelling story. Let's use the example that we've all used: Twelve Angry Men. Mm-hmm. That is phenomenally well written. That is phenomenally well acted. It shows so many different layers of character and, and hidden racism and hidden this and hidden, you know, I mean, it, this, that just keeps unfolding. And if you want any proof that it's incredibly good story, you know, they did a remake that was also very, very good and I think won awards. Now, I mean, yeah. uh, let's sidestep the argument of which one was better. Who, right. who cares? Right. They were both really, really good movies and it, was, it wasn't like a remake or what, where they changed it. I mean, there were some... You know what I'm trying to... I'm getting at here? So, I think there's so many other examples of... I I just... I wasn't sure... I wasn't even sure what I was supposed to be watching. Mm -hmm. You know, I... Yeah. Yeah. So... I guess we've we've kind of danced around the plot of this movie a little bit. It you know there he finds the severed ear in the field yeah. and he gets involved in this investigation and and finds that there's this woman that the police have been investigating. So he makes the connection that he thinks she's probably somehow involved or she's the one that murdered someone or cut off their ear or whatever. And then that starts the whole thing of him trying to break into her apartment, which mm-hmm. then gets him caught and found out, and he gets involved in all this criminal dealings and everything else and. Um, and then he uncovers this massive conspiracy of, you know, the, the police are even involved in the conspiracy yeah. and, and all that. In the meantime, you have this little kind of love story going on with Sandy, um, which I thought was just a little weird. Like there wasn't the, there were, there were parts of that that I thought were sweet, mm-hmm. but... <clears throat> not enough to make up for where you've got, like you said, you've got the the vulgar and and the the harsh, and maybe the director, maybe that was his attempt to say, okay, well, I'm going to show you the two sides of this. I'm going to show you vulgar and 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 harsh, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to I'm going to layer that with there's a sweet love story going on with these two kids and and where he steals I, someone's but, girlfriend, right? He ends up stealing somebody's girlfriend. And obviously, maybe that's chauvinistic because it, you know, that mm-hmm. assumes that she doesn't have a choice in it. Then okay, right. then it shows a girlfriend cheating on a her boyfriend. So right. they're both, you know, all she'll be punished. Right. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to just hit the one side. But anyways. Right. Yeah. Um, so is there anything for you watching this movie? Was there anything? I'm not going to ask you what you didn't like because we've clearly gone over all that. Yeah. Um, was there anything about this movie you liked? Um. Yeah, I don't know. The music. The music, yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to remember the music. It didn't yeah. it didn't leave it. Yeah, like know. Roy Orbison, yeah. Bobby Vinton. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, some of the I mean the blue velvet, that tune yeah. that that's a good tune. The one that they all mm-hmm. sang. Yeah. Velvet. What was the one that they keep singing in the you know, he was singing into the light bulb or whatever? Was it in dreams? In dreams. Yeah. yeah, that's a good tune. Yeah. You know, that's all that's all good stuff. But so, you know, I guess I like that. But you know, if we're blending together different styles Again, you, you, it's got to be somehow. It's got to be brought together like in a cohesive manner. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, here's an example. This is going to seem like way on a tangent. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Okay, Timeless, the Disney you know version of mm-hmm. it. Okay, what is that? Is that sci-fi? Is that a sing-along? Is that a family movie is that an adventure movie is it a seafaring mo- i mean there were there were many different genres in that mm-hmm. i would say you know that you could you, that you could say we're wrapped up into one yeah. okay it, it, to my mind the director or the producer whoever did it said when we decided to make a movie we had to wrap our heads around how are we going to take this book mm-hmm. and you know a book is a, a, a great example of how many different directions and subplots and twists can you go you know what what is this movie really going to be about because it's got all these different angles and the director of that movie says or I think it was the director or it was the producer said you know what 
this is the angle we got to take. This movie's a jailbreak movie. Mm-hmm. And I was astounded. I'm like, wait, a jailbreak? How did you come up with that with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yeah. And the director went through to describe how, okay, here's what we're going to do. This movie, they're all trapped on the submarine, and they're trying to get off. Now, mm-hmm. Captain Nemo's battle against you know, society and the cool technology in the submarine and you know, the Navy and the, the scientists and struggling with, well, do I go with the psycho captain mm-hmm. and try and discover the good? All these other subplots still drive to one thing. And that is, it's a jailbreak movie. These guys are trying to get off the submarine. And this director went through in detail. And the movie's timeless. Okay, so I went off on a big tangent. That's where I get with this. I, I, sure, a crime movie, that's cool. A love story, coming of age. Okay, that's cool. Um, but what is the shroud under which this movie is all based? Like, what is it all? Is it really, truly a crime movie and everything else is subtext? Or is it really, truly coming of age? And everything else is subtext. I do, do you get what I'm saying with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, there yeah. there is no what's what's the big you know what really ties the room together yeah. on this movie. So I don't know. I've talked too much. What, what did no, you no. you know? What did you what did you like about the movie? Laura Dern. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I I felt bad for her. I I mean the character or the I, actress. Well, both. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad for her. Um, you know, I, it doesn't hurt that she's pretty. No. But at the same time, I'm like, just uh, this character, it's like the only nice character yeah. in the whole movie. And she seems to be a genuinely good person. Mm-hmm. So, and, and other than the fact that she does, you know, cheat on her boyfriend with Jeffrey. Um, I guess, other than showing that she's willing to go along with his thoughts of like, let's break in, let's yeah. sneak around, let's do this... You know, she seems to be the one genuinely nice, good person, and she's being affected by all this crap that's yeah. around her. Um, and just like when she bursts into tears when she finds out that he's been sleeping with this other woman, and she shows up naked on the lawn at, in front of her house. Which and, it took <laughs> at least four minutes of screen time before right. someone said, "Let's before get her let's get her, let's get her a coat." Yeah, like, I mean, um, well, do, why did we not? Yes, yeah, so, let's and, let's do that first thing. I don't know. It's just what's yeah. the point? It's crappy writing. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. So, um, no, so basically, I, I just, I, Laura Dern, I, I want to cool. save her from this movie and Raptors. Yeah. I, good for <laughs> you, man. That's awesome. And I'm, and, and she's going to be in Star Wars Episode Eight too. I had forgotten about that until I, I read that. The I other did day. not know but, that. Mm-hmm. She apparently, her character, this, this is out of the 80s for a second. Um, her character apparently is going to be, the descriptions I've heard are she's a cross between Star Wars and the Hunger Games. That she'll look at. Did you watch the Hunger Games movies? Yeah. Yeah. Effie Trinket, the one that has like the crazy ah, hair. And yeah, the, okay. They said her character will kind of look like that. Like she'll have, they're, they're saying like she's got pink hair and okay. she wears fancy clothes and she's a high ranking official within the resistance. Oh, cool. And she's somebody that Princess Leia does not get along well with. Even better. So, or I'm sorry, General Leia okay. does not get along well with. Cool. Um, so supposedly that's her character, that she's some kind of high ranking person within the resistance. Awesome. And, so I'm fun. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, for me, her character or just her as a person was probably the only good thing about this movie. Yeah. And I and I get what some people are saying, and I, I get some of these articles that I've read that that you know he David Lynch is an influential guy, and that he's trying these very artistic things, and it is just it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. So it's it's it, fine if somebody else likes it, and I don't even know if I would go so far as to say it's bad writing. I just, it's yeah. just, it's not my taste. It's not, you know, I don't flock to these kind of movies. I don't need, I feel like I'm secure enough in my sense of me as a person and life around me that I don't need to have my reality deconstructed mm-hmm. for me to question things about it. Yeah. You know, because I think in a lot of his movies, and again, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I have read about them, that that's his purpose behind everything, is he wants to take the way life seems to be, and he wants you to question, is it really this way, and what's my place in the world? And, yeah. I, and I get that, and I get what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I as a person don't feel like I need that. I feel like I try to reflect on my own beliefs and other yeah. stuff enough anyway. Like, I'm, I'm firm in my beliefs. But I'm I'm always willing to question them too and say, am I really, am I really right? Or like, is this really the way life is supposed to be? Or yeah. I don't, I don't need harsh 
yeah. vulgar, obscene movies or art for me to come to that understanding. Yeah. So, I mean, fine for him and fine for the people that like him. This is just not... Yeah, it's I, not me. It's not my go-to thing. And, and I just don't, yeah. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure he's a phenomenally talented guy. Yeah. And I and, and I say this only happens. And a just, lot of people look at him as being yeah. like the father of modern filmmaking or modern okay. storytelling. Or, and and I, I would like to see other evidence yeah. of his other examples of his right. work. I, I just to me it just seemed fragmented. Now mm-hmm. I might be a simpleton, okay, and that's fine. Maybe I just don't get it. And like I said, if you think music, Pat's a simpleton. You can give us a review on iTunes, and you can say something. Yeah, go ahead. Call me. That's fine. I can only relate it to something I know a little bit about, mm-hmm. because I don't know about movies, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about movies. Like, right. you guys know far more about, you know, movies, and Dennis can talk about camera angles and the bullet, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all well and good. I, I don't know movies. I can relate it to music. And now there's some kinds of music out there that, you know, most music is song and dance. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty melody. You want to sing along to it. Mm-hmm. It's got rhythm. You want to dance. Whether it's classical music, whether it's right. hip hop, rap, 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 <laughs> rock and rap, whatever That's it is, fine. it's all song and dance. Now, there's some music out as there. As long as it's a nice rack. Exactly. It's, there's some music out there that's experimental. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be enjoyed. Right. It's meant to challenge you. you know, as, as much as I love David Bowie. Right. <laughs> Right. David Bowie has some experimental stuff that yeah. I'm like, right. Well, this is not going to be on my, you know, I'm not putting this on a playlist of favorites that I'm going right. to listen to over and over again, but I appreciate what he's trying to do. And I, and I love David Bowie. Right. And I love his music. But there's some stuff that I'm going to listen to once or twice and just be like, okay. And they're done that. That's, hey, that's David Bowie. Great. Check, it, check, out, check out the piece Threnody for Hiroshima. Okay. Or Threnody for Hiroshima. If you want to hear something that, and you try and tell me that that's supposed to be pleasing to listen to, but it's not. Okay. It's supposed to tell another right. another story. And and that's what this movie is. Right. Now, I can I get into that. I study music, and I'll drag people mm-hmm. to concerts, and they're like, "What am I listening to?" Well, right. then I'll explain it, and it's all right. that. I go to a movie. I I I want to be entertained. Right. I, I mean, now it can be serious, and it can do, but I want to be entertained. So mm-hmm. I'm just you know I'm just the wrong audience member. Mm-hmm. But again, it fell short for me because I'm not like, ooh, that's awkward. I, Jeez, I better worry mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm supposed to be worried right. about with the movie. If there was more comedy in this movie, would you have liked it better? I, if it was more of like a Quentin Tarantino. Because Quentin Tarantino has some pretty harsh stuff. and well, I mean, there's... There, there's rape and there's murder and there's all kinds of stuff in, in Pulp Fiction. Right. But there's the comedy that balances it out. I don't, it, see, that's the thing. It all worked well together. Yeah. This movie, just it just seemed too fragmented yeah. I, for me. And that's where I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what I was watching. I don't mm-hmm. know what, and I'm, I'm going to be repeating myself, but that's yeah. where I, I really struggle with this movie is I, I'm not... It's it's not fitting together. I don't get the message. Mm-hmm. What is the message? I'm not identifying. I so it's it's hard for me to say. Oh well, they just do this, this, and this, and it, it would be perfect. Right. It was just too. I don't even know what I'm watching. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what I just kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's all right. So all sorry, right. man. Didn't mean to trash your movie. I just if you're listening, I'm so David, if you I, David Lynch probably has enough money that he pays somebody to mow his lawn. Yeah, I'm okay. sure he does. So whoever is mowing David Lynch's lawn, yeah. you could just tell him that we appreciate that he's probably a great director, and yeah. and and again, I probably would need to go see some more of his movies that I haven't yeah. seen, and I, um, you know, because I some of the stuff he was influenced by heavily by Alfred Hitchcock and others like, like Psycho and some of the stuff like that. That I get, and I and I can see those connections, but and I like Hitchcock. And I like some of the people that have said they were influenced by David Lynch, but I, I don't know that I care for his movies. And, yeah. I, and I think that's just a preference thing. Who, I mean, there who, are, and I keep hearing it. Like, who, who are some of the people that are saying, like, what is mm-hmm. what what is his thing that he brought to the movie table? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that would be my question. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think some of it is the causing you to question. Well, actually, I had an article that I had pulled up just right here. I can. Um, Okay, so here's one that, that in this article says that kind of sums up. I think this is from theatlantic.com, um, and it's an article called The Remarkable Influence of David Lynch. Okay. And uh, just this one sentence in particular, I think, kind of sums up what he brings to, to film. Um, 
Made over the span of 25 years, these films track the evolution of Lynch's particular sensibility, one that both celebrates American culture and holds a funhouse mirror up to it, forcing viewers to question their own values and sense of reality. With this movie, mm-hmm. I didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't question anything. Yeah. I, I'd be like... I. No, I didn't question anything either. I, I looked at it and I saw, wow, that's intense. Yeah. And... I don't connect with anything in this movie. And maybe that's a good thing that I don't connect with anything in this movie. And I don't know. I, I can appreciate it. for It's like going to an art museum. Well, like you said, with music. Yeah. It's like going to the art museum. We went, you know, just uh, a couple months ago in the summertime. We took the kids to the Art Institute in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time they'd ever been. And we're walking through. We're looking at some of the art. And there's some of the sections of art that I will look at. And I will go, hmm, okay. That's interesting. I just don't, I don't find myself reacting to this movie in that way like yeah. I didn't connect with it I didn't there is the example of going to the art museum I mean there are pieces of art that I will stand there and I will look at for a good you know minute or two mm-hmm. and I'll just stand there and I'll study the whole thing and I like it I like the colors I like the composition I, I like the story it's telling if it's telling a story um, and there's ones that I'll just look at and be like you know what I appreciate the fact that you're an artist and I appreciate the fact that somebody sees value in this but um I'm going to move on. Jackson Pollock, I think, is a good example. Mm-hmm. I think my mother-in-law would probably feel the same way. Um, she might even be listening. Um, Jackson Pollock stuff, I, I get I get that, you know, he's a famous painter. Mm-hmm. And I get that me not having a, a strong knowledge of art history, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else did that kind of drip painting before him. Mm-hmm. Or if he was the first one. So maybe that's an example of somebody like David Lynch. If David Lynch was one of the first people to do some of this type of stuff, mm-hmm. then sure, you could con- consider him a revolutionary director and art and artist and whatever in the same way Jackson Pollock is. I will recognize that Jackson Pollock mm-hmm. is a, you know, if that was if he's the first person to do that style of painting, then he's a revolutionary artist. And that's mm-hmm. great. I look at that, though, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm looking to buy a piece of art, which I wouldn't, but if I'm looking to buy a piece of art to put up on my wall, it's not going to be a Jackson Pollock. Mm-hmm. I'll enjoy them. You know, I, I like the movie. Uh, it Ed Harris did a movie about Jackson Pollock in his life years ago. I like that movie. Yeah. I appreciate his art, but I'm not going to buy that and put it up in my house. It's just not my... Yeah. I get it. I see the value in it, and I see the work that's gone into it even if it just seems like it's dripping paint, but mm-hmm. it's not for me. Someone needs. So I think that I think that's yeah. David Lynch, and I think that's this movie. And, 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 and I can my, see some of the value in it, but I, yeah. it's just not. It's and not for me. Anybody, you sh- and you, like I said, the simpleton thing. If you get into a situation where you are looking at art, listening to music, watching a movie that challenges you. You know, you, you shouldn't just say, well, that's it. I'm not going to give it a shot. Right. Like, I, some stuff, yeah. Okay, Unless it's Howard out. the Duck. Right. And then screw the duck. Exactly. Well, well. Well, right. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, they probably would have put that in there. They, um, <laughs> that's probably a deleted scene. Actually, a deleted, it, been, it probably been a, is a deleted scene. It was scene. almost Leah Thompson. <laughs> but my point is, is that, you know, I understand there's some things you got to work at. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to just, like I said, be the simpleton. But, you know, when you go listen to music that's challenging... Someone, and if you think, oh, this is awesome, you, you got to say why. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to explain it. And if you get into this thing where you're like wow oriented and just like, oh, well, this is just so amazing. Well, why? Well, because I walked out of this movie and all I did was just question. Well, why? Well, because it was just so powerful. Well, what? I mean, you know, you, you got to have, you can't just be wow oriented. It's the right. same thing with music, it's the same right. thing with whatever. I mean, there are, I, and I have heard artists come and lecture on this. I'm not a magician. I'm not a, you know, this, yeah, the music is inspirational. Yeah, but here's how I can break it down. Here is, the, here is what I do. Here are the techniques. Here is why. Here is, it's not a wow thing. And that's where, like I said, all the stuff, and maybe I just need to read an article, but, you know, just to give it a thumbs up, well, that's great, but now break it down. What am I seeing? And tell me why this is important to me. If you can do that, I still might not like the movie, but I'll be like, okay. Just like if I if we put on Threnody for Hiroshima, right. I might be able to break down for you and say, well, like, these are all the things that he was doing and this is why. You'll probably be like, okay, well, all right, I can respect that. But like, that's the piece that I'm missing from this movie is that I, 
wh- why should I be why sh- why should I be wowed by this? I'm making a note to myself when yes. I post this up on our on our website. Yeah, I'm gonna find a YouTube video that has Threnody for Hiroshima and I'm gonna put it in there. Okay, so people could listen to it. And okay, I've never heard it, but I will. It's I will drop that in the in the show notes. It's there it's an extremely powerful piece of music. Okay, but. But okay. people may react to that the same way we're reacting to this movie and be Possibly. like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> yeah, what is going on? Mm-hmm. You need someone to explain it. There yeah. was no explanation here. Yeah. And now, if you present something, then just you know, if you present something without the explanation, and maybe it's important in a movie to to give the audiences a little bit of that if you then that's just like you know, uh, you, you know that's like the what do you, what do you call that? Not a kind of class, but what's an artist that. A recluse, mm-hmm. you know, that just goes up and just, I am so up here that you must approach me on my mountaintop for you to understand my work. Well, So if you were to go, so it's my last question, then we'll, then we'll wrap up. Um, you've said you've watched this movie, you won't watch it again. Watch it again if someone wanted to sit down and explain it to them. Okay. If you had this movie, if, if we got this movie on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, and it had director commentary, would you sit down and watch yeah. it with director? Okay. That's what that's I think what, I would be too. I mean, yeah. I didn't get a chance. I don't remember if my copy has director commentary on it or whatever, but I didn't get a chance to watch any director commentary and um I would be curious to have to have that, to have the director go through and say here's here's what I'm doing here because and and again, I I don't think that we're I don't think that we're simpletons. I think we are the average movie-going audience. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have degrees in, in film history and film critical uh, criticism and, and all this other stuff. Um, we just do a podcast because we do it for fun. But I think we're the average movie-going audience. And I think your average... And maybe this movie is not for the average movie-going audience, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would be curious to watch this with yeah. director commentary. Because if the director commentary proves that this is one of the greatest American mystery movies ever made, mm-hmm. then okay. Th- th- right. I don't know that I'll still agree with it. <laughs> but if you're going to... Because I can list a whole bunch of other mystery movies that yeah. I like better than this one and yeah. that I would rewatch more than this one and that had more of an effect of me. Yeah. The, I, the, one we, the one we talked about last week. Right. Last week, Name of the Rose. Right. That, to me, is a much better mystery movie. I want to know. I like that movie. Better than I like this one, right? And it's a mystery movie. That movie is not anywhere on any of those rankings of best mystery movies ever made. Well, so right, and so, and that's where you know you, you start throwing down on those lists. Clue, I feel, yeah. is a better mystery movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's the thing. You start throwing down on those lists, right. then it better it better make sense to the mass population. Right. If it's not supposed to make sense to the masses, then it has got to come to a disclaimer mm-hmm. before watching this movie. You need to. Read, read ABC, this article. E, F, G. And I'm going to sit there and... Read this article about the director and it and, will help you understand. And everyone can laugh when I say this, but, you, okay, I ride motorcycles. Mm-hmm. There's motorcycles out there. They will just flat out, as long as they're not trying to just make a buck off your back, they will just flat out tell you, do not try to ride this motorcycle until you've had this much experience. Mm-hmm. Experienced riders need apply. Why? Because if you get on this thing, you're going to end up killing yourself. Right. Now, you might joke and say, well, okay, that's motorcycles, that's life and death. These are movies. Well, okay, but then if movies are really supposed to be a part of Some guy ran back to see this after having a heart attack. He could have died. Well, if if it's a part of culture Mm -hmm. and it's a part of society and and our culture is as important as what we're all making it out to be, and I'm trying not to be the simpleton here, and we're supposed to spread our culture, then then that is equally Mm -hmm. important. And then you just got to say, don't try to watch this movie until you've A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like I said, it's... Well, and, and I'll admit, when we get ready for... Pull back the curtain here a little bit. Um, when we get ready for this podcast, when we watch these movies, and, and like I take all my notes on, on what we're going to talk about and everything, I don't... I do read articles and I do read stuff about these directors and about these... Uh, but I don't do that before I watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with a lot of movies, that's fine. And, and I can still be entertained, even if I don't care for the movie completely. I can still be entertained by the movie. I can still get it. Um, you know, one of the ones we did just a, a little while back, that Ruthless People. Okay, it, it was it was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing nothing special about it. I had a, I talked to a couple of people, and they're like, oh, I love that movie. That's one of my favorites. And I, well, I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are times I'll watch the movie. I'll be entertained by it. I kind of feel like this is one of those movies where... 
I needed to read more about David Lynch before I watched the movie. Maybe. And sometimes, I, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes where you know you're approaching a, a maybe it's a piece of music, a piece of art, or whatever, it probably makes more sense to read that ahead of time and then go into it. Um, there used to be the argument here at school: um, should the history teachers, should the social studies teachers, should they have the Civil War reenactors that we have come every year? Like, should we have those guys come before the kids? study the Civil War Mm -hmm. to get them interested in it or should we wait and have them come after they've studied the Civil War so that it adds more context to what they learned in class and that was a debate when we had two I'm not going to name names in case they're listening but we had two particular social studies teachers that had very strong but totally opposite viewpoints on that one was no you bring them in before it gets the kids interested, and then that's where you have the context. And now when we go into reading it, the kids are like, oh, that's just like the guy that was Abraham Lincoln said mm-hmm. this, this, and this. Or the guy that was the Confederate soldier said this. And right. um, we, should, we saw them shoot a cannon. That's just like what we read here for this battle. Or do you read about and learn right. about Civil War right. first, and then you have these guys and come in, and life. you can appreciate the reenactors more. Yeah. So... I think it's kind of like I think some movies are just kind of like that, and I think this is one where I think I would have felt better about this movie maybe if I had read more up about David Lynch before watching it. Especially since I've never really seen any of his other movies. I've never right. seen Dune. I've never seen Eraserhead. Never seen. Wait a minute! You've never you've never seen I've Dune. Never seen Dune. Wow, that's. Yeah. I was looking at the list, and mm-hmm. like I said, the few that I've seen on there, I love yeah. those movies. Dune yeah. is a Dune is a great movie. Yeah. And uh, I have never seen Dune. It, it's been on my list of ones to see. It's a pretty long movie, though, isn't it? It's, it's long. Yeah. Books. And and so here's here's one other strike against this movie for you. Originally, the first cut of this movie was four hours long. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 uh-huh. honestly with this though. Honestly with this, that's not four. Uh, that's not four hours too long. Right. Honestly, I think the problem with this movie is four hours. That's exactly three hours and thirty five minutes too long. <laughs> this should have been a short. Film. I think it should have been a short film. Yeah. I, I mean, there, otherwise, I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know then uh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm cycling over the other things, but That's yeah, right. it's just I didn't I didn't get it. Okay, but maybe I'm a simpleton. Well, so so welcome to the Thirty Simpleton uh, podcast. We'll do that. We'll call it the Thirty Simpleton podcast. Gonna go do my um, P90 axe and go. There home. you go. The P90. Yeah, the P90 axe. How's that going, by the way? It's great, man. <laughs> clink clink. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this one uh, for Blue Velvet. Next time, let me take a look at our little list here because we are marching right along into December. Uh, next time around, we are going to be looking at. So, I, Pat's really going to enjoy December. Yay! Next time around, we are taking a look at Platoon. Then we got the Manhattan Project. Then we've got Star Wars Rogue One. Okay. And then we finish off the year with Top Gun. Because you got to finish on Top Gun. Oh, yeah. So. Alrighty, well that's gonna do it for us this time. Uh, you can join. You can join us online. Uh, we do. We're we're pretty active on Twitter. So if you want to send us any feedback, anything else, we'd love to have uh, a review from you on iTunes. If you're listening and you want to just jump over there real quick and leave us a review, we would love that. Um, positive or negative, we don't really care. We just we like to know what, what we're doing, what think. we're doing right, what you all think. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. We are on Twitter at. 30 podcast. We are on Facebook, fa- facebook.com slash 30 podcast, uh, 30podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play, iTunes. You can listen directly from our website um, and all those other places. We have a voicemail line. You can call in if you want. Um, I think it's 87235movie. It's 8723566843. So if you want to call in, you can always call in, leave some feedback there too. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us, please do it one of those ways. Uh, otherwise, we will see you back here uh, in one week for Platoon. How are you feeling about Platoon? Looking uh, forward? It, it, well, that's a heavy movie. I have never seen it. That's it's a heavy movie. Okay. That's all I'll say. I, all right. I, I struggle with the. Uh, I'm gonna watch it over Thanksgiving. Yeah, I bring the family <laughs> together. Yeah. I I, I mean I love action movies, but I want to I want to see make pretend action movies even if they're set in men. That was. I mean, when you, when you look at a, at a war picture, and, you know, it's, uh, it's an intense movie. So we're going from, from heavy film noir, whatever this is, to heavy military action movie? Yeah. It's, so it's, it's um, going to be heavy for... Well, 
See, there's that word again. There's that word. Heavy. <laughs> it's, 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 is, is there a problem with the gravitational pull? See, but and that's the thing. This movie, whatever. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. You watch a movie like Platoon, mm-hmm. and that to me starts going, man, okay. Maybe it's not all plain soldiers isn't all about fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Maybe we should like go thank a veteran. Maybe we should go right. study about that. Maybe, that movie has a much more powerful effect, and it's not just because of excitement and things blow up. Right. But you well, want to study, that's a jumping off point to study something that, wow, that had a pretty profound impact on the whole country. So, And I, and I think powerful, when you say the movie is powerful... To me, I, it's a right, perfect... Yeah, right, to and me, I was, I should, that's, that's yeah. what I was just about to say, is that this Blue Velvet is not powerful to me because I just don't connect with it in any way. The minute we mentioned Platoon, and you said, yeah, that makes me think about, you know, go thank a veteran, and then... It, it's a jumping off point to exploring history and what it... The movies that are more powerful to me are like Good Morning Vietnam. Like to me, I love that movie. And that is a movie where I look at and I go, wow. Like that makes me question things and, and question like why why are, why do we do things the way that we do them? And, and what's, what's this all mean? And it, movies like that. It's not... Movies like Blue Velvet. So just, and I'm not saying that that's for everyone. I'm just saying that that's apparently not for you and me. That's not the movie we react to. But if you do, totally fine. Enjoy your movies. Go have fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this time. So in the meantime, be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. And we'll see you next time for Platoon. Burning brightly, but when she left. Gone was the glow of blue velvet But in my heart there'll always be Precious and warm a memory Through the years